Abundance is making decisions. If you make decisions, you're an abundant thinker. If you procrastinate, you're more, you know, don't finish the water, don't do this, don't do Those are you know, scarcity things, and that means that you're in fear. We don't finish our glass of water because we're afraid we're not going to get another glass. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, we there's plenty of water. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Today, our guest is Terry Ogburn. And today, you're going to learn all about running a business and how to do it better. Specifically, we tailor this conversation to investing in real estate. And Terry is a veteran of starting, running, selling businesses, and so much more. We go through his bio and how he got started starting his own business and all of the experience that he's had in small, medium businesses, corporate America, starting a company and selling it off via IPO. So many great things. And specifically, we dig into the questions that Terry asks business owners when he goes in to help them fix their businesses. And if you're stuck in your real estate business or your own business, I know we have business owners out there who listen to this show, think about these questions and what your answers are to these questions. It's gonna help you get to that next level get a better handle on your business. And odds are pretty high that you're going to be answering no to several of these questions. And that's the point. But he's digging into these fundamentals of building and running a business that doesn't require you to constantly be working in it and spending your own time just going to help you scale, have more certainty, make more money, make more passive income and so much more. Great lessons in this one. I think you're going to learn a lot. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and through my company, NT Capital, I invest in multifamily and self-storage properties and I help busy people passively invest in the same. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and learn more about investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Terry Ogburn. Today, we're going through the questions that he asks business owners to help them get to the next level and so much more. Fix your business, fix your mind, a lot of things in here. Without any further ado, here we go. Terry, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you bet, uh, Tyler. I appreciate you inviting me too, because this was uh, kind of a spur of the moment, out of the blue, so to speak. So I was excited to to be on your show. Sure. So we've been uh, sitting here talking for 45 minutes already, and I know there's quite a bit we could go through with the the listeners. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, before we dive into it, could you tell us about yourself, what you do? And uh, there's there's a lot there, but okay. give us an intro. Yeah, I started my own air conditioning company in, in 1979 and, and had been fired out of the car business. And I had no car because back in those days, you got demos. And, you know, so I was sitting, you know, doing good, selling 22 to 25 cars a month. And I went and applied to be a manager. I was ready to try to move up. I had that, you know, that the engine energy to, to do something more than just sell. And um, they found out about it, put a 
squashed on me, fired me. So I opened, you know, opened an air conditioning company on a whim. I paid all my bills, got it down to $118.42. And then I went out and I looked for a mentor. I found somebody that could help me get, you know, get started. I knew how to work on air conditioners, so that wasn't the problem. So that was the best thing I did. And then later on, that was in 1979, 1983, I was nominated for Small Businessman of the Year. Went up against one of the top-notch companies, Jim Walters Corporation. Uh, he won, actually, Jim Walters. So the next year, I was nominated to receive Young Businessman of the Year for the state of Florida, for the whole state. Again, this was through my air conditioning work and diving into the uh, air conditioning trade. And then in 1985, I set out to help small other companies like me because by then I developed turnkey concepts and things that would help, you know, that help people. And then I went in the corporate world in 1989. And then I started doing corporate turnaround stores. I started doing store turnarounds for major corporations, uh, uh, franchise uh, thing. Then I was moved to Miami to launch a franchise from ground floor. We went public in two and a half years. So that was a you know, nice little feather in my camp. So then uh, I moved to Boca and hung out there for a little bit. And then was uh, Radio Shack snapped me up to do some turnaround stores for them. So I uh, did that. I had a three-year deal with them. That was a, a lot of learning and everything that went along with that as well. And then that ended and then Metricall Paging bought into AT&T Wireless back when everybody was going to have a, needed a pager and a phone. I didn't, it was back <laughs> in the pager phone days. You had to have both, you know? So I went around and was the liaison for bringing those two platforms together, helping those two companies understand each other and how to talk to each other, so to speak. And then my son passed away, and oh, then man. that led me I'm down sorry. a different trail. So I went uh, from there. I decided to move to the west coast of Florida, and then uh, Century 21 reached out. Uh, then I joined them and uh, did some turnaround stores for them. And, and then right after the... Last recession we went in 2008, the market took a dive. You probably remember that if you know it was a, a big hit for all of us, those arms and different things that we, you know, all they talked us into type thing. So there was no really nowhere left for me to go. So in 2005, I opened my own business and I said, well, I'm gonna go back into what I know best. And that's go back and help small businesses do turnarounds and get them started in ground floor stuff. So I've been doing this, uh, Taylor, now for uh, uh, 16 years. So worked with hundreds of companies and, and I've got some major companies that I work for now uh, and some little small companies too. A little, I have a little small PR firm out in Los Angeles, a little three-person three operation, but uh, they're making headways in, in, this, uh, in this marketplace. So yeah, it's, it's been a great career for me. Awesome. I love it. And, and thank you for walking us through your history. Certainly sorry to, to hear about your son, but you have a long history in business, turning businesses around, starting businesses yourself and you know, so much more. And we were talking for quite a long time here before we started recording. And right before we started recording, you brought up a list of questions that you ask business owners, especially business owners who are struggling. And I wanted to see if we could go through those questions that you ask, why you ask them, maybe a couple of them in, in a little bit more detail. So sure. Um, when I am doing an onboarding process or trying to, you know, just discern where, where the person that I'm interviewing with is, where they at, I, I have a list of questions. And these questions are like, first, do you have a business development plan? You know, 
you need to know what your business is going to look like, you know, three years, five years down the road, because you have to have this big picture. This is the way I, I see it. And then do you, second, do you have an action plan? Do you, do you have your the action steps, you know, and I like to chunk our action steps down to 90 days because Taylor, we can concentrate for 90 days, you know, and then at the end of 90 days, we reevaluate, grade it. I have a grading system that, that I use so we can actually grade it, not you know, hypothesize it. We can actually put metrics to it. You know, you can see how well you're doing. And then I want to know if you, you know, about budgets and performance. You know, most people going into business in this day and age, they have no clue about forecasting. You know, they say, oh, I got a great CPA. Well, CPA to me means past accounting. It doesn't mean future accounting. You're doing everything on the past. I want a CFO. A CFO is, has got somebody that's, that's thinking about the future and how to leverage your money correctly and how to move your funds around and and get the best, you know, bang for your buck, you know, type thing. So those are the people I would want to be in contact with. Do you have job descriptions? Most of the people will say, yeah, I got something written, a little bit of stuff here and there, but I'm talking about a detailed job description. And I'll give your listeners, and this is easy. Everybody should have this. The first thing you should do is get an organizational chart and develop the the job descriptions that you need. It's easy. You just go online, you Google job descriptions for administrative assistant. It's going to come up with a whole list of stuff. Pick out the stuff that is pertinent to what you want to do or you want that person to do or whatever. And it's that easy. You've just created, it, it takes you all of a, a few hours to create all the job descriptions that you could, you could possibly need in all in, a, in just a few minutes. But these are vital pieces of the company that, that you need to put in place. You need to have an operations manual. This is where you put all the rules, regulation. My operations manual, manual consists of eight sections, a business development plan that you and I agree on that this is where the direction you want to go, a, an action plan, which is basically all the job descriptions descriptions put in one place so we know to get from point A to point B. Then we have the job descriptions themselves. So you can you recruit to that. You can use this to recruit uh, you know your team players on. Checklist for every job function that's that's uh, that's in your you know, in your job, if you need need to make a deposit, make a checklist on how to do it. So if you're out of out of office, hey Terry here, uh, can you make the bank deposit for us today? Sure, give me the checklist. Go through it. It also has to have a budget and performa. You have to have forecasting. You need to know if you're making money. You need a policy and procedures. What are you doing? Do you vacation time or how you take credit cards, you know, all the procedures that it takes to do. Then we need a market, a direct marketing plan, not a mass marketing plan, but a direct marketing plan, something that's going directly after customers. You know, everybody understands demographics, but most people don't understand sim- uh, psychographics. Psychographics is where is your client hanging out? Is it, at the, is it at the Rotary Club? Is it at the Yacht Club? Is it at the, the networking meetings? Where are your clients hanging out? And go hang out with them. One of the first things I do with the client is teach, you know, share with them about meetup.com. Man, you can be in an area and you, you sit there. I've been in many areas not knowing anything. We just go on the computer, find out where meetup.com is, find a meetup that I want to go to, go there and start meeting people. That's a, a part of it uh, as well. You have to have a prospecting system. That's, uh, you know, you have to have a contact. You have to make contacts. In this world today, 48% of the sales are made by 2% of the salespeople. Wow. Wow. 3% of the salespeople make 25% of the sales. Only 48% of the salespeople will never make a second touch. Mm, 25% okay. of the salespeople will never, never make a second touch. 
or will make a second touch. 73% of the people only make two, two touches and only and 5% of the sales are made in the first two touches. So you have to create a sustained touch system. So uh, 80% of the sales are made between the fifth and the 12th touch. Okay, that, that makes sense. How do you think about what constitutes a, a touch, if you will? Like it's a, a marketing piece or a, a direct, you know, salesperson, hey, calling you, hey, have you bought a new car yet? Even though I hate to use cars as an example, but what, what counts as a, a touch in this case? A touch is a two-way conversation about the product service that you're selling. Now, Great. it could be an email. I could see me send you an email and you respond. That's a two-way touch. If I send you an email and you don't respond, it doesn't count. Mm, now, okay. I do add this to it, though. This is to help you pick up after you email somebody, pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, listen, I just sent you an email and that re information you requested. I just call to see if you got it. Gotcha. Oh, yes. Yes, Terry, I got it. Okay, great. All right. Boom. That's a touch. You know, they got it. They received it. Now, if they engage in a conversation with, yeah, I wanted to talk to you. I'm glad you called. I want to talk to you about that. You can actually count that as a phone touch and an email touch. Mm. See, it's far more, Tyler, it's far more important, uh, excuse me, Taylor, it's far more important in today's society is to build rapport with your clients. We're in, the, we're in the real estate business, and we know that the average buyer works with 17 to 19 different realtors before they buy. Why is that? Because they don't trust the people. They don't trust realtors. I I agree. <laughs> they don't see the they don't see the value there until they get to the last one. Exactly, because they just tell me, oh, they make all this commission, they make all this. You know, let me tell you, when I work with agents, I work with people who want to prospect because mm -hmm. we're on the we're, we're prospecting. We get a lot of rejections, but you know what? We get listings. If you get listings, you have a life. If you have a buyer, you don't have a life. <laughs> you go with, when they call you. You know that you're in the business. I'm in the business. We we get it. My rule is don't turn your car into a taxi cab. We live out here on the beach. We work. I sold a lot of my properties and things, my sales experiences on the beach, waterfront properties. Well, let me tell you, when, the, when you come here to go on vacation and it's raining, the first place these tourists go is to a real estate office and get somebody to drive them around and show them properties. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you don't have to pay for a rental car. You don't have to do that. You don't, you know, they know where to go. You don't get lost in the side streets. And plus you get to see nobody. Everybody has traveled someplace and go, I wonder what it would be like to live here. Everybody tries that. Everybody says that. So, so find out, you know, I use a qualifying out process. You know, I want you out of the system more than everybody wants to qualify you in. I want to qualify you out. Qualifying them out, then you're busy working on people who want to buy from you or want to, you know, list with you or whatever. Interesting. Okay. So I think one of the, just rewinding a while, you, you mentioned about where do you want to be in three to five years, but setting more granular goals and plans for the next 90 days, which I think is a, a very interesting. I want to dig into that because how do we, we have a goal in three to five years, but I'm only making a granular plan for the next 90 days. So how do I not take off too big of a bite of the apple in that 90 days and set real uh, uh, goals that are pot like accomplishable and not say i'm gonna buy the taj mahal in the next 90 days well no you're not sorry <laughs> exactly they have to be realistic but they also have to be stretched 
You have to mm-hmm. stretch yourself a little bit, you know, because I work on a grading system. So in 90 days, we should get somewhere between 75 and 80% of the things that we said we were going to do done. Well, you would think that's fair, right? Sure. If you yeah, get 75, 80. 80% of what you said you would get done, I'd pay anybody to do that because most people, uh, if you do a survey, you'll find out that most people are only giving about six and a half hours worth of uh, for an eight hour day. If, if you're lucky, other, if they're lucky, <laughs> and this is not to due to the fault of the person, it's more the the fact that we're not keeping track of who who we're working, what their jobs are. Meaning, if I gave you a task and and it's an hour long, we're going to come up with that task pretty soon at forty five minutes. Finding workarounds, getting things to do a little easier, not you know preparing, cut and paste, whatever it might be. But if you're the, her, the person's supervisor and you're not checking on that, she's getting 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, and she's playing, or he or whoever is playing Mahjong or Solitaire, who knows what they're doing, because they feel it's okay because they shortened the, they shortened the time period of doing the, the project. Mm-hmm. So if you have a checklist and you know the project takes 45 minutes, then you know that that's 45 minutes contributed to the eight hours that you want the person to work. So at the end of the quarter, you grade yourself. You set priorities. I do priorities a little different than, than most people. I ask you to set an objective. Then I want to know why you want that objective done. You have to have a reason. There has to be some purpose that gets you out of bed every day so you know why you're working on that project. And then I also want you to add in the outcome. What does it look like when you're done? So now we have a finished product. So same thing I want you to do with your three to five-year dream sheet, so to speak. It's a five-year dream sheet. Then you chunk it down to three years. Well, if I follow this path, I should be here in three years. So you do that. Now we say one year. Okay, so what have I got to do to get one year to get five years down the road? So then we chunk it to 90 days and say, okay, this is all we have to do to, from, to get us from point A to point B. We put 13 checkpoints in, the, in, the, in this 90-day period. Why 13? Because there's 13 weeks. So each week, you get to the end of the week, you work backwards. So now the first week takes off. Now you get to the first week. Now you check. Okay, are we on course for it? If we're not on course, we need to, okay, we're going to have to put a little more emphasis in this section. Got to do a little bit more marketing, a little more prospect, whatever it might be. But you keep getting your, you know, your business on track. I get this from, uh, from 2009 when the Navy launched a missile from underneath the water in the Pacific Ocean, and they shot a space satellite out of the air. Do you remember that? Do you, do you remember any of that? I don't. I must have missed that. I was in college at the time, so I was okay. probably pretty distracted. <laughs> but they were, they, the space satellite was falling out of, the, out of the sky, and so we shot a missile up, and the missile was only on target 8% of the time. Hmm. Every time that you think about the turbulence and the wind and everything and the curvature of the earth and everything spinning and everything. So the missile was doing this. It was on a guy, it was on a guided beam. And mm-hmm. every time it got so far off the beam, it got pulled back on spike. So it ended up going through space or going through the air. Dancing well, around, that's not, not bis- always on track. Yeah. We're never going to be on track, but we got to keep pulling ourselves back on track. Mm. One of the greatest things that if any of your listeners can want to go to this, go to YouTube and look at the Kentucky Derby that was ran this year. They got an aerial view and they'll show, it shows the horse coming from the back of the pack and the jockey is maneuvering the horse through the, through the pack, not going on the outside, not going on the inside. He's actually maneuvering through the reins. He's moving the, the, 
And that's what I think we should be doing in this economy right now is learning to move through the, the avalanche that's coming at us. But yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that's a different story for a different time. But, <laughs> but yeah, we should, uh, yeah, we should, we should be doing things like that. That's for sure. Okay. So uh, this might get a little more into the job descriptions, operations manual or checklist, but you mentioned about somebody taking a task that could take an hour, adding efficiency just by doing it many times, getting it to 45 minutes or so, and then they have 15 minutes downtime. So that's efficiency improvement, but there's also there's got to be an aspect of somebody sitting around saying, well, I'm, I'm here. I want to work, but I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So I'm just going to wait for somebody to come, you know, tell me what I should be doing. So well, how do we really get at that? I mean, there's the manual thing, but they're, you know, manuals are just a piece of paper. Like, I don't question. The way I would want you to do this is I want you to have weekly meetings with your team, mm. not a team meeting, but I want you to meet individually with, with each individual for 15, 20 minutes over their job description and f- keep in touch with where they are, help them improve. Then as you see them starting to improve, you can add more things to them. Well, oh, you can probably take on this task now. So it's related to uh, what you do. It's just I haven't given you all the task up front. I've kind of held a couple back to get organized. You do that with new employees. You don't give them everything to do it for example, mm-hmm. right? So the same thing happens, but you got to meet with them every week and have their goals and have what their ideas, what their dreams are about. I worked for this ladies in real estate office. And so we did this five-year dream sheet. I have this dream sheet that I use. And so I shared it with everybody. And she came to the, my office afterwards. She said, Terry, I don't want to be an administrative assistant for the rest of my life. And I said, I don't, I, Missy, I don't want you to be an administrative assistant either. Uh, I hope you have bigger aspirations than that. I said, what do you want to do? She said, I want to be a police officer. And I said, wow, you'd go into, a, you'd go shooting, you'd protect me. And she goes, yeah, I'd do that. And I said, well, have you ever been on a ride along? She goes, no. And I said, well, go in there and call the St. Petersburg Police Department and, and ask for a ride-along and you can go and see if what happens. So she comes back. She said, they, say, they said, yes. I said, okay, now I want you to go and I want you to dress just like a, when you show up on Tuesday. It was a Tuesday meet. So when you show up on Tuesday, I want you to dress just like one. So get a white shirt, a dark green pair of pants, put your hair up in a bun, find out if they can wear a little fingernail polish or whatever. I want you to look just like a police officer when you show up for work. And she did it? Well, she, she did. And she also got a job as a dispatcher. Wow. For this, and then she went through the academy. And as far as I know, unless something changed, she has been uh, on the police force for at least five or six years now. Wow. I said, but you have, she came back with all her success story. I said, okay, you got to do me a favor now. She said, what's that? And I said, you got to find me your replacement. Mm. See, what I figured was she hung around with other girls or ladies that were in her, you know, profile or her uh, personality. So all I needed was the personality. She had the right personality for the job. So I just figured one of her friends would take over her job. Was she able to? Yeah, it worked out. It always will work out that way. It doesn't change. It helped the person get where they want. And the other the gifts will come to you too. You know, if you, if you try to stifle people, then you're going to, you know, you're going to get stifled too. Well, I mean, I I love that. I, I also, I think most folks, uh, maybe the traditional small business mindset, I don't know, the, the limited uh, mindset would have said, no, well, I need to obviously keep her from becoming a police officer because then I need to go find another administrative assistant. So that would try to stifle her down, but you managed to turn it into 
you know, uh, an asset in a certain sense of, of, okay, I helped you now, you know, fair's fair in a way, help me find somebody. That's pretty See, fair we, ask. You and I meet a lot of people. I'm sure you meet a lot of people in your walk in your life, right? And everybody mm-hmm. which says about how abundant they are, you know, how they feel abundant they are. Well, that description that you just gave me is not abundance. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they can talk all they want, but when their actions are going to speak louder than their words are. So the first thing I want to do is if I want to see if they're if they're in scarcity mindset. I automatically know they're in fear mode. So we got to find out what the fear is, fix the fear, then we can get them on the on the path to abundance. Abundance is making decisions. If you make decisions, you're an abundant thinker. If you procrastinate, you're more, you know, don't finish the water, don't do this, don't do those are you know, scarcity things. And that means that you're in fear. We don't finish our glass of water because we're afraid we're not going to get another glass. <laughs> crazy i mean we there's plenty of water <laughs> well i'm my, my bottle is getting a little low here but i promise i'm not taking it easy on the water well there's so much there i'm sure we could talk for you know hours upon hours we're already over, pushing an hour and 10 minutes here on our own time but right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor the first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth income spending and everything else about your finances you can start tracking your wealth for free and Get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Terry, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. Love it. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Oh, there's been so many, uh, but I guess the the one that comes to mind the most was in my first one. I think everybody enjoys their first investment. Mine was in a $17,000 house and the the owner financed at an 8% simple interest loan. Do you know how, what a simple interest loan is? So what it's just, you're just paying 8% interest. You're not paying down any of the principal. Basically what you do is you set a principal amount and then you, whatever that you're going to pay $200 a month, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And then the unpaid balance, you just remembering it's you multiply the unpaid balance by 0.667. And then if you do that, then that turns out to be an 8% simple interest. So you add the interest to the payment. And then your payment comes down, you know, two hundred dollars in the next uh, mm. month. You pay another to factor in the so your percentage co- comes down each and each and every month, just like it does. But it, conventional is compounded and you know larger things. So that was my best deal. I bought it for seventeen thousand. Two years later, I sold it. So because I wanted to move into a bigger house, I made twenty five hundred dollars. And back in that day, this was in the uh, seventy. This was 75. So this was good. This, this was good. You know, that was a, the time of real estate. But I've had a lot of good deals in, and a lot of fun in real estate. I have had so much fun. So I started in real estate when I was 24 years old. And I have never, I only lost money on one property. And so that was that's pretty uh, good. That's, yeah. So, and that's probably the next question is what's my <laughs> That is right. We, we had the best investment. Now we're going to the other side of that coin, the worst <laughs> investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? 
I, I can't really say it was an investment, but it was a, a time that I lost money. And I was so in, in, engrossed in building my air conditioning company that my wife, you know, I was leaving her to do the, the next house we were going to do. So she was her responsibility so, uh, to do it. Not that I'm blaming her for it. It's just that it was my fault for not being more in the deal. Because, But I was you know, focused on something else. Still no excuse, but that's what the, the layout was. So we get in the house, everything's done. It's a couple of weeks after we're in the house. Everything is, you know, everything's out of the way. You know, we're still in the moving in process, so to speak. And I look at the checkbook and Taylor, I had lost $4,600 in this deal. I went ballistic. I said, what in the world were you thinking? She said, I wanted to, I wanted to move in here because it was the elite neighborhood in the, if we were in that neighborhood, we were, have arrived. Mm. And I said, what? She said, well, you know, our friends and people we know, if we live here, we, it, it isn't going to matter. We'll make up, we'll make up, uh, uh, make up, up on, you know, make up down the line somewhere. I said, that's not how business works. <laughs> that's not how we do things. But anyway, that was the, that was the worst, uh, the worst time I had. But you, um, you didn't wind up with networking opportunities to make up for it? Oh, I found ways to, you have to find people to pay for it. I mean, I'm not paying for it. She's not going <laughs> to pay for it. So uh, somebody's got to pay for it, you know, so you make it up on a, on another deal or, you know, somehow it, it all balances out, you know, it just, you know, just leveraging money, moving money around. Gotcha. Gotcha. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Well, I, th I think I can answer this in uh, more like a story. One of the things that I, I get good at was this story here. So we went and looked at this piece of property and the guy wanted $375,000 for his duplex. It wasn't worth that. It was worth about three twenty-five. dollars So we went next door, another exact property right next door to a duplex. So we went and asked that owner if he was interested in selling. He says, well, everything's for sale. Depends on <laughs> what, you know, what you're talking here. And I said, okay. So I, we contacted a... A, uh, first, we went to the code to the code enforcement office to see by merging these two properties together, could we get rid of the setback, and what could we put on that on that piece of property? So it turns out we could, and it turns out that by doing that, we could actually build a, a five townhomes instead of four two two duplexes or four plexes. We could build a fiveplex or a, a townhome. So we we kind of called uh, called up a developer and said, "Okay, we got this big footprint here. Can we can we make this happen?" And he says, "Yeah." So we actually he's willing to pay seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. So we went to the second guy and asked him if he wanted three seventy five. He said yes, and the pick of the litter. We offered him the pick of the litter so he could have any townhome he wanted. And we of course we had the other 375 made. So we ended up making that deal happen just simply by, uh, you know, expanding our mindset and saying, okay, what does code enforcement say about this? So my biggest lesson in life is it's not about getting in the deal so much as getting out of the deal. So if we can always have a, a, bait, a way out, then that's the biggest lesson that we, we should learn is how do we get out of this deal? Hmm. So always, is it how many how many ways out do you want to have? Four or five? I just one. need one. Gotcha. I just need one little one little spot. I've gotten many people. One of the in fact that same company we just talked about was a lady. Her broker, she actually sold a house twice on paper. Wow. And you know what that means? Double commission. Somebody's going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so okay, 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 gotcha. Okay, so man, I, she called me up and she said, "Terry, I, I think I've done something really wrong." And I, but it was because of the short selling. 
It was through that era going through short mm-hmm. sales. So nobody was, it was uncharted waters. So she, she, uh, I met her at the office and we, we got her out of that contract. We got her out of one of them anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the other one we didn't care about, but yeah, we got her out of the one that could have hurt her. So uh, there's always a way out and you can, you know, pre, you know, pre-program that too. I mean, you can set up dendums and different things like for an example i give a little case history most people when they buy a piece of real estate they put make in their offer and what i would suggest to them is offer right now i wouldn't be playing in the market but if i would normal market i would say offer 10 percent higher than what the listing price is because we know that the, the, when it's going to be a battle when it gets to the price, there's going to be three or four wars over it. So you might as well just go ahead and offer, you know, ten percent higher. Get rid of all. Get rid of all the other uh, the speculators. Get them out of there. Now, how many days do you have left to to evaluate the property? Depends on your contract. I mean, that's but that's up days, in the air, right? It, usually, it's about ten days yeah. to do your due diligence, right? That's fair. Yeah, right. So yeah. make sure you get, well, do you know you can, you do, do you know you can rewrite the contract in any, any one of those days? If they, if the seller agrees to it, that's what no, you No, you, I can make a new offer to you. I can mm. come on the 10th oh, day I just gotcha. before the first two. And I say, listen, I found out that you got a crack in the floor. Mm-hmm. I found out that I don't like the paint. I found out that I don't like the shrubs. I can make up any excuse in the world and say, okay, I want a discount for this. Mm-hmm. You're getting out of the contract. That's true. I think, like you said, in the, the recent market, it's uh, maybe a little less, it was more difficult to do that and be comfortable with your potential Oh, downside. well, I, in this market today, I have a whole different advice for people. In this market today, <laughs> do not sell your house until you've, you've closed on the one you're buying. Mm. Do not move out of the house that you have. A friend of mine is going through this right now with a girl he was dating. Uh, it was in their the other divorce and the other person, not my friend, it was for the sell the house. So I made him advice. I said, don't sell your that home until you get her in a new one because and get it closed and everything she wants because there's so scarcity out there. Mm-hmm. Well, guess where she's living? Hotel. His house. Mm. Guess who's the most miserable person on this earth? <laughs> People, when their certainty changes, when they they lose certainty, they 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 oftentimes um, you know become irrational. True. True. I don't care who you are. If your certainty is broken, you kind of get a little nervous about you know where are you going, where you're headed, you know, type thing. Absolutely. Well, Terry, there's so much here. We've had such a great conversation. I got one thing for you, please. I I just want to give if if all your listeners this one little piece of advice. Okay, if they follow these four things, nothing will stop them. First of all, commit to whatever you're doing. All in, burn the boats. If you're going to do, don't put your toe in the water. If you're going to be in business, be in business. Get the funding, get whatever you need. Don't, you know, don't do it on a shoestring. Number two, determination. You have to be determined. You, you have to get up every day and be so determined that you're going to get the goals that you want, get the priorities uh, that you want accomplished. You have to put disciplines. Number three, you have to put disciplines in your life, meaning that if you have to get up early, you set your alarms, ring your alarms, different things, prospecting, all that. You have to put disciplines in your life that are going to get you to your commitment. And then most importantly is you must visualize yourself already in possession of what it is that you want. If you can't picture yourself already in, in possession of it, it's going to make it a lot harder for you to get it. 
It's like nice. punch buggies. If you see, if you're looking for punch buggies, you're going to see that, <laughs> right? So if you're looking yeah. for opportunities, your brain is going to be open to, you know, receptive to look for them. So you have to visualize what you want. Visualize yourself already in possession of the commitment and just work hard and it'll be yours. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, anything like that, where can they track you down? Also, I'd like to offer terryogren.com is where you can reach out to me. On my website, there's a chance for you to book an, an hour's appointment with me. So if you have a challenge or something you want to work through, please just feel free to go there. It's no charge, no upsell, nothing like that. And also while you're there, you can also get your free, my free ebook to you. Success is always within reach. So you have an opportunity to get a free ebook and an, an hour uh, session with me if there's some challenge that you'd like to um, you know, me to help you with. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating interview on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.